do this. I, I don't want you to glaze over. I don't want you to tune me out. I, I have some good news. I have some, some information that will change you. It will help you. It will really do things for your life. It's already had an effect on me in the last week or so that I've been studying it. If you got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 12.3. Father, we love you today. and Thank you so much, Lord, for, for bearing with me and helping me. I'll give this next few minutes, I'll give you myself, I'll give you my thoughts, my mind, my mouth, Lord, use me, because I know the things you've showed me has great potential to change lives. Father, help me, help me get it across the way you've got it across to me, in Jesus' name. Let me my sermons consider him, and the him we're talking about is Jesus. Hebrews 12, 3 says, For consider him, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. That's the King James, the New King James Version. The King James Version says, For consider him who endured such contradiction. From sinners against himself, lest you become weary and faint in your soul. The word consider, it's not a just a, hmm, okay, move on to something else. It's a Greek word that uh, I'm going to try to say, analog idizomaya, A-N-L-O-G-I-D-Z-O-M-A-A, which means to think again and again and again and ponder over it and meditate on it, assimilate it into yourself, make it a part of who you are, it conveys the idea of habitual meditation. And if you know a little bit about Greek, and I don't know very much at all other than what I've learned from my little brother, it's in the imperative sense, which means it's a command. So you could translate that verse, consider him who endureth. Hey, think, think, think again. Reflect on this subject one more time. In fact, don't stop. In fact, I command you to do this. Hmm. I, I really like studying the King James. We've kind of heard it all our life, or the New King James. And then flip over in the Message Bible. I, if you don't have a Message Bible, just go to the Internet, Bible Gateway, and read something that you've read all your life in King James, and then throw it over in the Message Translation, and it'll go, wow. It, it'll, it'll throw it out. So the Message Translation says, go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That's a word we want to remember. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. That, 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 that kind of sums it up. So by going through and meditating what Jesus did for us over and over, and, and Lord just had me write this down, chewing on Who's ever said, man, I'm still chewing on that? You, you ever had that? You know, you've... You're, I, I've, we we kind of joke around. I've even heard it this way, Jerry. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen Jerry work on stuff, and I say, Jerry, what you got over there, buddy? He goes, mm, I'm still chewing on that. I'm thinking about it. And I'll even say, I've even said this, Calvin. I said, well, I smelt wood burning. <laughs> you, ever, you ever heard that? You ever heard that stay in there? Just kind of getting you to think with me. Chewing on it. Think about what he did. Go over it. Get him to show you why and how it went down and why it went down like it did. Doing this over and over, we're inwardly strengthened in our soulish realm. 
And you can be strong everywhere, but if you ain't strong in your soul, man, you ain't going far. I'm telling you, if you're depleted and you're weak and you're weary in your soul, you're picking to fall. You're about to go down. The Lord also said, keep chewing on this. Keep chewing on it. To somebody smells wood burning. That's what he talks to me. He said, now look, no matter how bitter and how distasteful it may seem to you, consider him. The Bible talks about in that verse, lest you be weary. The word weary, that's the King James Version, it's a Greek word, komete, somebody who's slowly being depleted, slowly wearing it, like a tire. Like a, anybody had a slow leak in a tire? And just, it, don't, it don't just happen all at once, but it's going down. Unless you do something about it, you're going to get stranded. You're going to get broken down. You're going to have to get out and walk. All right? That's that word weary. Faint is a word, eklumai, E-K-L-U-O-M-A-I. It's a compound word, E-K, eek, and luo. Eek means out, and luo means to loosen. Remember when John the Baptist said, hey, I'm not worthy to unloosen the sandals of Jesus? That word means he's not worthy. The same word, luo, to loosen his, loosen his shoes, I get it out, loosen his sandals so they'll slip right off. So if you got Eek and Lua together, you're so weary, you're so tired, you're exhausted, you have no resistance, you're going limp, you're going down. How do you fix that? Consider him. Consider him. Consider him. See, Jesus allowed himself to go through all the pain and agony he did. He allowed himself to suffer the way he did so we wouldn't have to. I've said it before. Come on now. Y'all got to work with me a little bit. You got to lock in on me. You got to, I'll make it quick. I'll make it painless or we'll drag it out. I want you to, I want you to work with me. Who's seen the little commercial about them scrubbing bubbles? Come on now. Scrubbing bubbles. We work hard so you don't have to. And where'd they go? They went down a drain. Jesus said you could sum up water. He worked hard at things you could never make ground on. So you wouldn't have to. But you have to consider him. You have to consider him. See, he allowed himself to go through all that and suffer the way he did. So we would not have to. This has the potential, folks. I'm telling you, this has the potential to affect all areas of your lives. Okay, let's talk about the word suffer. S-U-F-F-E-R. It's an old word. It's an old word. And when we, when we hear that word, we, we don't really know what it means. But here's what it really means. It means to allow something to happen, right? You say, man, I've just been suffering with this. Well, you really allowed it. And there's a difference in oppression. There's a difference in somebody making something happen in your life and you can't do nothing about it. But suffering is not that. Suffering is to allow something to happen, to tolerate a thing, or to go along with something. Who knows what the 19th Amendment is to our Constitution? I know my teacher. Women's suffrage. What do women get to do with the 19th Amendment? They were allowed to vote, right? Right? All right, what about the scripture in the Bible that says, the kingdom of God suffers violence. It allows violence. It tolerates violence. It goes along with you being violent against a devil. It Remember, Jesus says, suffer the little children to come unto me. This is the kingdom of God. The word suffer means to allow. It 
means to allow. The very thing, when Paul got knocked off his high horse, and he was trying to get up, he had no eyeballs at the time. I believe his eyeballs were burned out of his head until he, he got healed. And the first thing that Jesus said was, little brother, you're going to suffer some things from me. Well, people, right there, people get turned off. No, it's things that Paul is going to allow to happen to him to further the kingdom of God. Paul could have run the other way. He could have. Jesus suffered. He allowed things. He said two or three times, I could call forth so many angels to stop what's about to happen to me. It'd make your head spin, boy. He allowed it to happen. He laid his life down, voluntarily went through horrible things for you so you would not have to do them. Well, how can I get the benefit? Consider him. Consider him. The terror, the horror, the hostility. What did it all mean? It has to be symbolic. He didn't just randomly go through things so it would just be a good story at Easter time. No. Father God had a checklist of things that he would correct the mess that Adam made. He would fix it. And it was a checklist. And we're going to go through a few of them. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's already had an effect on my life. It's already fixed things wrong with me in one week. So, let's go way back. Turn to your Bibles. Turn your Bibles. It's Exodus 12 and 8. Moses has went before Pharaoh, and he said, let my people go. Let him go. Daddy said, let him go. And, of course, Pharaoh ain't studying that. He ain't going on with that. So the plague started happening, and it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse, and it got worse. And we're about to have plague number 10, and plague number 10's a doozy. Plague number 10, if plague number 10 don't change your mind, your mind can't be changed. What's plague number 10? The firstborn of every creature in the land of Egypt is about to die. And I didn't realize, I thought it was just the Pharaoh's son. You remember that movie when we was kids? You remember the movie, Ten Commandments? And uh, uh, the little kid got that, he's dead on that brick. He's got that long ponytail. Y'all remember that? You ever seen the Ten Commandments? And, oh, uh, Yule Brenner. Yul Brenner, he's all broad-chested. He's talking real funny, you know, about his son dying and all. And I thought just the children died. But no, the cows died. The dogs died. Imagine the cats died. The firstborn of every creature died in, in Egypt that night. He had a warning. He had a warning. There's a movie out today. I, I, I kind of challenge you to watch it. It's uh, Gods and Kings. And it's by the guy who uh, played Batman. What's his name, somebody? Say it again. Yeah. That's a good movie. That's a good movie. And I really like the way they acted this part out. He said, hey, 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 you got one more chance. It's going to get really bad up in here. I'm telling you, it's about to get really bad. Let them go, and it'll all be all right. But if you don't let them go, it's going to get bad. But here's the deal that really got me in that movie was they said not a Hebrew child was touched. Man. Ah. So how did they get away with that? Exodus 12 and 8. Get a lamb, right? Get a lamb. Male lamb. First year, a yearling as they would call it. Got to be perfect without spot or blemish. Take that lamb and sacrifice that lamb. Put that lamb's blood 
on both sides of your door and the top of your door. And when that death angel comes through, he'll see that blood, and he'll do what? He'll pass over. It was the first Passover. We're going to focus on this verse right here. Verse 8. Verse 8. Consider him. Consider him. Then they shall eat the flesh, the flesh of that little lamb, roasted in fire with unliving bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Don't eat it raw and don't boil it in water, but roast it in fire. And if you underline in your Bible this next one, its head with its legs and its entrails. Anybody know what entrails are? Innards. <laughs> he was raised on the farm. That's innards. That's guts. That's, that's, that's when you feel strip up deer, feel dress a deer. You leave those innards out there in the field. You don't take them back. <laughs> you, you, y'all know what I'm talking about. Entrails, entrails, innards, guts. You shall not leave, you shall not let none of it remain till morning. In other words, eat it all. And what remains of it in the morning, underline this, shall burn with fire. Now look how this works here. Look how this works. Things are really fixing to change for those children. All right, so get your lamb, take its blood, put it on your door, take what's left of the lamb, roast it in fire, and basically eat the whole thing. Wow. Mama, when I was, when I was reading this, I really like a Greek gyro, G-Y-R. Who, who likes a gyro? Come on. Who, who likes it? Well, every, every year about this time, Arby's, has the Greek euros, and they're two for six bucks. <laughs> I took my mama there one night Sunday, and I said, Mom, I'm telling you, this, this Greek euro, she's going, gyro? No, it's a euro. Work with me. Call it a gyro if you want to. What is a Greek gyro? I said, it's lamb. Oh, honey, I can't eat no lamb, honey. I can't eat that little lamb. I can't eat no lamb. There's no way. Did you not? <laughs> I'm like, because I, I got mine, and that stuff, man, it's got that cucumber dripping sauce on it, and it tastes better if you let it run down your face a little bit. Hello? And Vanessa said, wipe your face. I said, no, I want it there. I'm saving it. I'm saving it. Leave it there. I'm saving it, baby. Get that off your face. No, I'm saving it. <laughs> but, Mama, what if you had to, pl- come on now, what if you had to pull out the eyeball of a roasted lamb and chew on an eyeball? But what if you did that and your nearsightedness was fixed within two hours? Oh, my God. What if you had heart palpitations and all of a sudden you started eating the heart of a little roasted lamb and all of a sudden your heart settled out? What if you couldn't breathe and you was coughing up blood and all of a sudden you said, take a bite of this lung, Elroy. And all of a sudden you took a bite of that lung and all of a sudden you're, <coughs> I'd be like, Daniel, eat these intestines. You got to squirt, son. It'll help you out, little brother. <laughs> It'll help you out. If you had stomach problems, eat the stomach of this lamb, and my God, you'll be healed of whatever's wrong with you. Do not let any of it stay till the morning. Eat every bit of it. Notice he said, notice he said, it's head. Start with his head. If you're crazy, eat some brains. My God, if there's mental illness in your family right now, get some brains in your mouth and start chewing them up. Come on, this is what this is talking about, my God. Why? Because they, they, 
They're going to have to cut and run in the morning. And we ain't got time for nobody sick. A new life is coming to them. A new sense. You have given us freedom. And that freedom's coming. And you got to get straight. And you got to get right. And you got to get your body in shape before you can get out of there. Every one of the children of Israel. Can you, and can't you see the kids like, dude, I don't want no gizzard. <laughs> can you imagine some of the ones that were really sick? And also, they chew. They're like, I don't want that. I don't want that. Eat it. Because it talks about each one for his house. And if your house is small, get your neighbor with you. And everyone, eat it all till nothing's left. But I'm going to get there in a minute. But what is left, burn it in fire. We're going to get there in a minute. My God. By taking it to their body and eating the sacrificial lamb, they were not only saved from certain death, but they were also made whole, my God, made whole. <laughs> this is how they were all made healthy to get out of town the next day. My God, my God. The entrails, the innards, the guts, the very thing that you turn your nose up. But I don't like chitlins. Eat them. God said eat them. The entrails were chewed, swallowed, and processed inside their body as a means of correcting their unique internal physical problems. So, with that said, how easy is it to see that by taking into our spirits, taking into our insides, processing exactly what Jesus did for us as our sacrifice, we can also be saved and made whole. My God, can you see that? Woo! Process. Consider him. See what he did. My God. All right, let's break some of it down. I promise I'm, I, got, I got time. If you remember, Adam really made a mess of things. And Jesus considers and calls himself the second Adam. So the second Adam came to fix the mess that the first Adam made. Now, the first Adam started out where? The Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus began his correction because up until then, he had done miracles, walked on water. He had proved that God is real. That the kingdom of God is at arm's length, is at hand. But when he went to his garden of Gethsemane, that's when everything started to turn in his life. So if you study, start studying there and considering him. Start studying right there. Start looking. Let the Lord show it to you. Let him ask him, why did, you, why, why did he do that? I don't understand because it's not just random, guys. Everything that happened is to fix something in you. And all you got to do is understand it <laughs> and consider it and process the entrails, no matter how bitter they are. No matter how, I don't want this. I don't want to chew on this anymore. Chew it till you can get it down because it will fix you. It's already fixed me this week. Whoo, okay. Remember, the Garden of Eden, we were all inside Adam. I'm not going to go this not that I've preached this a lot in the jail. But we were all force-fed fruit. Remember that? Ronnie, me and you, was in Adam, and he made us eat fruit. And we didn't get to taste it. It's like, come on, man, you're going to make me eat some fruit, Craig. Was it grape tasting? Was it apple tasting? Peaches. What was it? The fruit you made me eat that messed my life up. I don't even know what it tastes like. Yet you made me eat it. And, oh, my Lord, it's easily realized that it was Adam's will. It was his will. Miss Eve may have been confused. Mama Eve may have not known what she was talking about. But Adam chose that fruit over that mama. 
and it's been a mess ever since. We were all twisted by our arm, our mouth how often, and fruit was poked down our throats, and he made us all sinners that day. Unbeknown to us, we didn't agree. He didn't take a vote. He didn't ask if we think we would like to try a bite, and those who don't can go to the back of the bus. No, you're all eating it, and I'm making you all sinners, and it's my will. What you going to do about it? That was Adam's whole deal. So Jesus started fixing the mess that Adam made by praying three times about a cup. Now, Jesus ain't prayed three times about nothing. In fact, you think, look back, he didn't ask. He just told. He just commanded. You do this, stretch forth, get up, walk across, come to me, step forward, stretch forth the arm, take your bed up. He didn't, he didn't ask nothing that we have recorded. He, he spoke. He's prayed three times. Three times can this cup pass from me. Can this, can we do it some other way? Can we just work something out where I ain't got to go through what you want me to go through? Three times. And each time he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. And they're talking about a cup. And the cup represents the bitter grapes, the bitter nastiness of what sin has caused in our life. So Jesus had to make it true. I'm being force-fed fruit against my will. You were force-fed fruit against your will. I'm being force-fed fruit against my will. And this time, Adam's not doing the forcing. God is because he's trying to help you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to help you. Immediately when that happened, I got to get on, got to get on. This could be three sermons right here. Immediately, immediately when that happened, he was thrown into the hands of angry sinners, and he went naked. They stripped his clothes, and instantly the shame the, the lack, the problems that started began right then. Started in a garden, ended in a garden. Well, if you know the story, he started out, went before the church leaders, the big, high-paid, high high-powered, religious knuckleheads of the day. And right off the bat, one of them punched him. One of them punched him right off the bat. I was going to leave this out. I heard the Lord telling me. They punched him right off the bat. He said, why are you hitting me? He said, don't talk to the high priest like that smacko. Hit him right in the nose. Hit him right in the face. Hit him with his hand in his face, as the Bible said. He said, why are you hitting me, dude? I've talked to y'all openly for years now, and why are you hitting me? The Lord said, check, check. There's your abuse from religion right there, folks. You've been freed from it. You've been freed from the smack, from the, from the, from the hard hand of religion in your life right there. This country, I hear him right now, this country was formed over that smack right there. Freedom, freedom, you have given us freedom. That smack right there, that boom by religion, that one uppercut or right hook or whatever it was that took Jesus by surprise will not take you by surprise, my God. Well, they said take him to Pilate. Pilate's like, whoa, I don't know about this. I'm breaking it down a little bit. And he says, what's he done? He said he calls himself the son of God. He's blasphemed. Well, Paul, I mean, well Pilate's like, whoa, wait a minute, because Pilate knew about him. Pilate said, I don't want no part of this. But Pilate did something for us, guys. Pilate did something for us. He had him scourged. Now, what does that mean? He had him whipped. He had him beat. And in that day, it was 40 save one. It was 39 strikes. And you all know the story. It's bitter. It ain't fun to chew on. If you, if you have any heart in you for Jesus, it bothers you. But again, swallowing a burnt eyeball with bitter herbs that's the whole idea of this. They took a whip with nine 
tails on it and put bone and glass in it. And they gave him 13 on his face and chest. They bent him over and gave him 13 on his upper back and 13 stripes on his lower back. The Bible says that by those stripes that Pilate put on Jesus, we are healed. My God. Yes, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. The Bible says, surely he bore our griefs, which is sickness, and surely he carries our sorrow, which is diseases, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten of God. But it wasn't God. He was wounded for our transgressions. God didn't do that. We did. Pilate did. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by those stripes, by those stripes ordered by Pilate, Pontius Pilate, we are healed today. Then it gets worse. You say, how could it get worse than that? And, you know, Lord, Lord, just a little side note. Lord, show me. Paul went through that five times. Paul, the apostle Paul, went through that five times. And, you know, Paul had a doctor with him at all times. Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke. And can't you see Paul? I, I just, I, one day I'm going to ask this. That he's like telling Luke, I'm healed, Luke. <laughs> Luke's like, dude, you got open wounds. we got to work on, buddy. Hold still. No, I'm fine, Luke. Dr. Luke. Jesus didn't have Dr. Luke with him. Jesus didn't have any help because it got worse. It got worse. All right, here's one. Luke 22 talks about they blindfolded him and struck him on the face, Jesus, and said, hey, prophesy who struck you. I'm like, Lord, what, what is up with that? Why did you allow that? Why did you allow that? Each one of these could be a sermon. Because he said, man, I don't want you blindsided by nothing. I don't want nothing to sneak up on you. I don't want you to be hit. And you not know where it came from. Consider him. Consider these things. Or hit, and you don't know who did it. Religion so many times says that it's God doing things to people, and it's the devil. It's the devil. Then if you ever say, no, that's the devil. I see you doing it, devil. Then, then the devil is saying, well, no, God told me to do it. So it's this vicious circle, this vicious cycle. Jesus got smacked without knowing where it came from. So you would know in your life where your resistance comes from, where your help comes from, who's doing it to you and why they're doing it. If you'll consider him, if you'll consider him, if you'll consider him. Now, this part here, I've asked the Lord. He showed me things. I want to know how to say it and how to, how to get it across to you and let him, let, him, let, him use, let him use this to help you. Isaiah 50 and 6 says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. See, for Jesus to say he knows what you went through, no matter how bad things got in your life, he had to know what that was to go through that. Right here, after they beat him half to death, almost to death, then they started playing with him, literally. They started violating him, and they started doing things to him that's even embarrassing to talk about. It's bitter. It's bitter. It ain't fun to chew on this, but it will fix you. They abused him in ways that we can't even say from a mic in a church. The crazy, demon-possessed Roman soldiers abused Jesus in horrendous, embarrassing ways. And I'm telling you, if you've ever been violated in your body and you can do nothing about it, Jesus knows what it's like. He knows, he knows, he knows. 
he knows the, 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 the self-blame that you, if I'd only did this, if I'd only said that, if I hadn't have walked in there, if I hadn't have done that, he knows. And right here, right here, you say, that don't say that. Don't believe me. I don't care. I just know my Lord's voice when he talks to me. I know him. I know him. And the and, and reason I know it's him because I instantly, I instantly apologize that they did that to him as if it was my best friend. I said, man, I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry that they did that to you. He said, I had to go down all the way to be with those that are down all the way. So this represents our freedom from all past mental agony, any kind of physical, sexual abuse, nakedness, shame, embarrassment. It's, it, it's a way out for you. If you consider him, if you allow him to get inside you, if you'll process the fact that he went through everything horrendous and horrible that could be gone through, he'll fix you. He's the only one that can do it. My God, he's the only one that can do it. Did I say that okay? I've been practicing all week in the mirror trying to say that right there. How do you do that? Yes, give a Lord. He did that for you guys. I mean, how do you say that and get that across without? But you know what? It gets worse. After he scourged him and whipped him and soldiers made fun of him and abused him, now, this one right here, I started just to make my sermon about this right here. Lord said, no, let's go through it all. We got time. He said this. I just, you all know the way I hear it. He says, if they get hungry, they'll leave you and go eat your French fries. That's what he said. <laughs> I hear his voice, guys. I do. And he said, they, they, they'll leave you and go eat your French fries, but the ones that stay will get something out of it. I'm hurting, guys. It is. 1130, we got time. After they whipped him, abused him, then... As if they were getting bored. But again, Lord's in heaven. God's in heaven. Check, check, check. Okay, check, check. He's going through the things that will fix you. He's going through the things that will fix you. They took and they, the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, put on him a purple robe. The robe was made out of wool. Remember the, remember the, remember the little lamb? Remember the little lamb? And they said, Hail, King of the Jews. They struck him with their hands. Matthew's gospel, Matthew 27, 29, said, and when they had plaited, that word right there is where we're trying to go. Anybody ever plaited their hair? Plaited their hair? And when they plaited, P-L-A-T-T-E-D, plaited a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. Now watch this. A reed in his hand. A reed in his hand. They bowed before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Now watch this. It's bitter. Nobody wants to chew on this. Nobody, everybody wants the lamb euro. They don't want the, they don't want the lamb intestines. They spit upon him. They took that reed and they hit him in the head. They said, what is that? Why? Why does that have to do with anything? Well, Lord, show me this. The word platted, P-L-A-T-T-E-D, platted, is a Greek word called E-M-P-L-E-K-O, emplenko, emplenko, E-M-P-L-E-K-O, emplenko. It's a person entangled in their lower garments or caught up in some kind of vine in order to trip them up and make them fall. Think for a moment how they meet made his crown of thorns, jagged, thorny vines 
carefully, deliberately woven together until they formed a tight crown-shaped ring. Taking this into account, we see that the word implinko describes something that had been carefully and deliberately woven together. You could say it this way. They had carefully woven together a bunch of thorny, thorny vines into a custom-fit crown. Now think about this. The devil spends a lot of time weaving together traps that will trip you up and screw your life up. He does it before you're born. He puts more time into the trap he has woven for your mind for some of you than you've been alive. You might be 22. He spent 40 years designing a trap for your mind. Now watch this. We'll show him. They cram this thing on his head, big old long thorns. It took time. And here's something else, Lord, show me. The, the, the Roman soldiers pricked their own fingers doing it. And don't, don't. Some of the demons got hurt planting the trap for you. It was that intricate. Okay? The soldiers' fingers were pricked as they were making this thorn. They crammed it on his head. And the thorns gouged down in his eyebrows and started to bleed. The skull bone didn't penetrate it, but it pushed it down. And the thorns came down in front of his eyes so he couldn't see for the blood. And that's the first thing the devil's plan for your mind is. You can't see what's in front of you. Now watch this. Jesus reaches up to adjust it. And the very reed that he was holding as a joke, they took it from his hand and whacked him on the head with the thorn, driving the thorns back in his head. What does that mean? The devil has authority. Unless that authority is broken, the plan that he has for you, the trap that he set for you, the addictive mess that he has led you into and planned more than the time you've been alive to get you in, he has authority to drive it home, to take the scepter. You know, a king and a scepter. Moses and his staff. See how that works? But Jesus broke that. Jesus fixed that that day. If you're having problems with addiction, if there's things that's got to hold to your mind, if there's things that you try to shake and you just can't shake them, consider him. Find out what he's done for you and assimilate it into your spirit. Chew it no matter how bitter it sounds, no matter how hard it is to swallow, how much you want to regurgitate a chewed up intestine, how horrible a spleen or a pancreas may taste, even if it's burnt or not. Swallow it. Get it inside of you. See, this represents our freedom from all mental disease, addiction, fear, bipolar, ADD, chemical imbalances. It's been taken care of, guys. If we consider him, my God, consider him. Consider him and don't stop till it changes. My God, don't stop till it changes. Don't you let that devil's trap take you down. You have a way of escape. My God, take it. And all you have to do is consider him. Swallow the bitter. Swallow the hard to swallow and get that inside you, my God. Oh, Jesus. All right, they got him to the cross. They pierced his hands. They pierced his feet. Anything your hands could or would or will ever do wrong, it's been stopped. 
the hands were put at rest. Everything you could ever do wrong with your hands, he fixed if you considered him. You see, anywhere you could go wrong, we say that, man, I tell you here, I tell you when I went wrong, it's fixed though. Don't tell me where you went wrong because it's fixed if you consider him. If you consider him, my God, it's fixed. But I shouldn't have went there. It's fixed. Swallow it. Eat it. He's the bread of life, my God. Even if it's unleavened bread of life, chew it up. Get it inside you. Assimilate. Assimilate what he did in your life. And the bread of life will change you forever. Anywhere you could possibly go to do wrong, he fixed it. Now, I'm about done. Remember in Exodus, started with the head? Started with the head? Now, a lamb only has legs. If y'all know my, my little boxer, he has puppy feet. Puppy hands, I call them. I said, give me some, give me some five puppy hands. A lamb don't have hands, but he's got four legs. And notice how in Exodus, he start with the head, then the legs, right? Then the entrails. And if you'll notice... They prepared the lamb first, which is symbolic of Jesus getting scourged. Then they hit him about his head, put the thorns on his head, if you see that. Then, then the legs, which is four legs on a lamb, but hands and feet on a man. They did that. And now we're right at death. Jesus was crucified. He was nailed to the cross at 9 in the morning on a Saturday morning. He was going through all the pain, agony, struggle, abuse on a Wednesday night. And it's funny how <laughs> it's hard to get here on a Wednesday night, ain't it? <laughs> Y'all laugh at me, but when I'm so tired on a Wednesday, I'm like, well, I know what you were doing on a Wednesday night. <laughs> you were paying for everything I had wrong with me, bro. I can get here. You were being abused and raped by a bunch of freaked out Roman soldiers. I can get up and come to church. I don't care what's on Discovery Channel. He was abused on a Wednesday night. And it lasted till Saturday morning at 9 o'clock. They pierced his feet and his hands, and hung him on a tree and dropped him in a hole. And now he's there. He's there. And that's when the contradiction of sinners really got heated up. That's when... Things were coming to him. If he ever wanted to call for reinforcements, it was right there. It was right there, man. It's like, all right, has this not went on long enough? <laughs> Come on. Look what they've done to me. All right? So we got the checklist. Healing. We've fixed to where they won't be blindsided. We've corrected, made a way for all mental, sexual abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse, Abandonment, shame, nakedness, fixed, that's fixed. We fixed the hands, we fixed the feet, we fixed the mind. The Bible even says in Isaiah that his visage was marred. What does that mean? Didn't look like a human. He's fixed your image. He's fixed you. And now we're on a cross, and the contradictions from the sinners are flying. If you be the son of God, bring yourself down from there. He saved others, but he himself he can't save. It started out 9 in the morning, 
I personally believe, this is what I believe, at 12 noon, it was supposed to be over. It was supposed to be over. Why? That's when the sky grew black as night. That's when the sun went behind something. I think it's when God put his hand over the sun. And the earthquake started happening. And they thought the world was coming to the end at 12 noon, high noon. Got dark as could be. I think that's when he was supposed to die. But he had to do one more thing. And he couldn't do it. <laughs> you say, who are you? I'm his friend. He talks to me. He tells me things. <laughs> Listen to this. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. And if Jesus was in a weakness right there, he says, for when we know not what we should pray for as we ought, the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. God had something he needed him to do, but he was having trouble doing it. Does anybody know what that was? He had to scream with a loud voice that God had forsaken him. But he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. I mean, the sky, the, the, the scheduled earthquake, the scheduled total eclipse of the sun, whatever it was, the dead came forth out of the ground. Had already, All that had happened according to plan, according to, according to the timetable, but yet he hadn't done this yet because, see, he had to answer the question in the garden of Adam, where are you? Remember that? Remember that? Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Let me paraphrase. Adam, you forsook me, bro. Adam, and all you that are in Adam, you walked away from me. You have forsaken me. Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Adam? Until that question was answered, he could not hang his head and die. He could not say it is finished. He had to say out loud with his voice that the God of the universe had forsaken him, but he could not do it. And he spent three more hours in my heart. You don't have to believe that. You don't have to go out here. I don't care what. I just know him. I know he talks to me. Twelve noon was his a, a, a scheduled time right on cue with the earthquakes and the Eclipses and the dead walking out of the graves and all that that was going on. But he couldn't say. He couldn't hear him. He said, I couldn't talk about another God that had forsaken another man. But the Holy Spirit, through groanings and intercessions for the saints and according to the will of God, had him speak in tongues can't ever he's the only one that can convince me he didn't do this way. Ela, Ela, Lama, Sabachthani. The Bible says it was translated. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You say, no, nah, I don't believe that. Well, he said it with a loud voice so much so that those at the foot of the cross thinks he's crying for Elijah or Elias. Another one of them thought he was screaming out for some vinegar, for some sponge, spongy vinegar. If you look at the Greek words, if you take those words, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani, and try to do some translation studies, they ain't in there, dude. Say what you want. 
They ain't in there. Looks like a sponge. You look up the word sponge, that's close. Look up Elijah, that's close. But that's not the words. He had to say it. He had to answer the question, Adam, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And at that moment, the wrath that we were supposed to bear, yet it was born his body, was complete. He hung his head and died. The Bible says he gave up the ghost. He had permission. He had permission. And that was at 3 p.m. in the evening. Now, what's amazing about that, if you did a little studying, at 3 p.m. in the evening, that's when the evening sacrifices were happening. And the temple was off in the distance. And the sacrifices were always preceded by a sound of trumpets. You could hear this going on all over the land as they took the lives of little goats, little sheep, as a sacrifice for man's sin. So at the same time that's happening, Jesus is hanging his head and died. So if you go back to that original scripture with the head, with the legs, and the entrails, Psalms 22, 14 says, Jesus talking, I believe it's him, even though it's in the Psalms, and he ain't even come in Matthew yet. He said, and poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. You ever, you ever cooked chicken? Calvin, you ever cooked chicken? You got chicken bones, you just pull them out, man. My heart's like wax. My heart's like wax. It's melted in the midst of my bowels, in the midst of my entrails, in the midst of my innards. And see, it was prophesied that not a bone would be broken. So as the evening is going on, the heathen Roman soldiers, they would come by and they would break the legs of those that were hanging on the cross to get this thing over with so we can go home to our families or whatever they do when they go home. But for some reason, Jesus had already checked off the final task of his checklist and said, God, he answered the question, well, Adam, where are you? And instead of breaking the bones... He took a big old spear. I'm like, why, 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 why can't he just walk away? Why couldn't that have been enough? A dead man's a dead man. Walk away. Don't mess with him anymore. Well, out of a dead man's womb, blood and water flowed out of that. Now, if you, if you, if you, if you know anything about Jesus, he didn't come to this earth to further physical seed. But he did come to this earth to further spiritual seed. And spiritual seed comes from the heart. Physical seed comes from the loins. Spiritual seed comes from the heart. Ephesians 1 said that Father God chose us in Christ before the world began. He didn't choose you, Paul, out of his foot. He didn't find me in his elbow. As smart as you are, brother, he didn't get you out of his, out of his head. But he found you in his heart. But all that had to go. And when that spear went up in there, the very side that Eve was taken from, I think it was the same rib, my God, the rib that Adam lost to find Eve, created a target, created a space, created a place for a spear to pierce up in there and rip it out. And here comes the blood and the water. And I watched all three of my children born. First come the water. Then came the blood. Then came the new birth. 
And that's what Jesus did for you. But wait, there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. What did they tell him to do with what was left with the, what you didn't eat? They want you to eat it all. The sacrificial lamb in Exodus 12. Eat it all. Chew up how bad it tastes. Get it down. It'll fix you. But if anything's left, do what with it? Burn it in fire. Jesus went to hell for y'all, folks. He went to hell for us. He went to hell for you. He went to hell for you. He took the pain of hell for you. He took it. He took it. Psalm 16 says, For you will not leave my soul in hell, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption, because you've showed me the path of life. Your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures evermore. See, when Adam bit the fruit, he's chomping his teeth together, and all of us are hurting, all of us are feeling it. Generations to come are born crazy, born defected, born messed up. The world's collapsing on itself with every bite that Adam took, but yet Jesus spends his night in hell and, 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 our, and our clothes don't even smell like smoke we are not held accountable we don't suffer one minute but yet he goes through hell for you whatever was left by morning burn it in fire that's how bad he wants you fixed folks I got 10 to 12 and thank God it didn't end there because on the third day, early in the morning, life filled an empty shell. And the body that was cold and still is now alive and well. And see, there's a scripture in John 12 and verse 16. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. And Jesus couldn't help you by himself in heaven. But yet, if he could be planted in the earth, because you got to understand, you're God's desire. And in this earth, the way you have what God planted, had, what God had you is you plant something. You see, think about this. God wants kids. He's got one, the only begotten. He's got kids, but he wants more. So what did he do? He planted his son. He sowed his son. Except a corn of wheat, a kernel of wheat fall to the ground and die, it'll always be by itself. Oh, but if I can plant you, son, in this earth, you'll bring forth much fruit. Go over that story again and again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. Because Jesus broke the ground up. Jesus broke up the hard soil of this world and laid down his life, allowed his father to plant him in a borrowed tomb, and he went to hell. Now, here's something special about that. On that third day, see, the devil knew, the devil knew we were in Christ. He saw it when it happened. It's why he left heaven. It's why Lucifer got so jealous. It's why he hates you today. It's before the foundation of the world. Father God walks to Jesus and said, I want more kids, but I want them to be like you, so I want to choose them in you, Christ. You were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world that he can be a daddy to you and show you his wealth and show you his love. And that's what made the devil so mad at you, made him so angry, so jealous. You were given something he could never have. And, and, and when, he, when he said, hey, what about me? 
Pride filled his heart. He was ejected out of heaven, and he's been mad at you ever since. He wants to get back at you. People are getting, people are getting killed, and people are, are falling to him, and they don't even know why he's mad at him. It's like, devil, just leave me alone. He's not going to leave anybody alone that has something that he could never have. And when he put Jesus in that grave, he knew that he put you in that grave too. But, oh, when he woke up, he took everything from him, and he saw all of us coming at him. He saw every one of us defeating him in his own backyard. He saw every one of us taking the keys from death, hell, and the grave. He saw you, Wally, hitting him on one side, and I was hitting him. I hit him again harder, harder. He was defeated. He was stripped naked. He was openly defeated. He was triumphantly defeated. He was, he was stripped naked of everything he had. He was paraded around, and he knew that every one of us in Christ did that to him. Consider this. Consider these things. As bad, as untasteful, as embarrassing it is to talk about the Savior of the world being sexually abused. Get this in you. It'll fix you. Many kids, many kids made in His image. Consider Him and the things He endured for you. And your life will never be the same. Stand to your feet with me. Father, I love you. I pray that I said it the way you wanted me to say it. And Father, I pray that the seeds that come forth out of me will be planted in fertile soil. By faith, I hear chains dropping, sir. By faith, I see mental traps being sprung, and there's no, there's, there's no quarry in them. There's, they're, they're sprung, they're broken. Father, I sense your presence. I know this week I had two things wrong with me. Two things wrong with me. And I've been dealing with it for a couple of weeks. All last week, week before last. And last night I was praying, you know, the Lord said, you considered this, you considered him, you considered him. It, it, it changed you. So just bow your heads with me. First of all, I want to ask anybody, is anybody here that needs Jesus. Anybody here? We got a little bit of soft music to play. This will be the time to do it, somebody. He loves you. He's not mad at you. Father God's not angry with you. 